0: Mission Kona Podcast, where our focus is on highlighting age group athletes doing amazing things in the triathlon space. My name is Michelle
1: Payne. And I am Mike Payne. We are husband and wife, amateur triathletes, parents, and self-proclaimed coffee connoisseurs, both working in corporate America.
0: Mike is also a triathlon coach and recently qualified for Kona in October of 2023.
1: Michelle completed her first half Ironman in 2021 and plans to race a full Ironman in the near future.
0: This podcast is a journey to discovering what it takes to be competitive in triathlon, sharing stories, and finding the inspiration to go after challenging but worthwhile goals.
1: Thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome to Mission Kona Podcast, the podcast that highlights age group athletes and their mission to Kona. Mike here. And I'm Michelle. And today we are doing uh, an awesome uh, interview Uh, of a 30 to 34 age group athlete, Eva Frieden. She has raced a bunch in the last five years. So since 2017, her full Ironmans, she's raced Santa Rosa twice, Ironman Wisconsin, Chattanooga, Mont Tremblant, Alaska. And then just recently in 2022, she raced Hawaii. So she finished second at Ironman Alaska, punching her ticket to hawaii after racing for five years so welcome to the podcast eva
2: yeah really stoked to be here so
0: how about you introduce yourself tell us a little bit about you uh where you're from uh maybe your day job hobbies outside of triathlon
2: yeah for sure um so i am currently based in los angeles specifically santa monica um which, um, as I'm sure, uh, I don't know, those in the tri-world knows, a pretty ideal location um, for the sport. And uh, I was in San Francisco for about five or six years before moving here, um, which is where I really fell into the sport and can talk more to that later. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I'm in I'm in Santa Monica. I am spoiled to say that I have not been on the trainer or treadmill for, I don't know, three-plus years. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, a good place to be. Let's see my day job. So I work for HelloFresh, um, which is the meal kit delivery company. Um, not sure if you guys have had it before, similar to Blue Apron. Um, so yeah, we we just, get it every week. We so. have we have
1: <laughs> been it's been it's since, uh, actually since I guess January. January yeah. yeah, so we
0: but
2: we've done it in the past too. We, have, but now we love it. It's yeah. awesome.
1: But the yeah. meals are delicious.
2: We're fans. Maybe that awesome. maybe you guys can sponsor us, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I can I can talk to them, but um, so, um, yeah, no, I mean i I my boyfriend and I eat it three or four times a week. It's so convenient, especially if you you know are busy with training or all the other things you have going on in your life and just takes the decision fatigue away, um just pull it out of the refrigerator, et cetera, but yeah, so I specifically I work with the uh, user experience research team. Um, so a lot of that is understanding, you know, what our customers like and don't like. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting and it's a, a very cool company, um, in terms of hobbies. So like not to be the kind of traditional triathlete, but I love food. <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of that kind of comes hand in hand with the sport, but I, um, I love spicy East Asian food in particular, um, I love like Burmese food, like tea leaf salad, um, anything Thai, uh, like Indian. Um, and then I'm also, I have a huge sweet tooth. I don't think I'd go a day without dessert and then love coffee too, which I know you guys do yeah, as well. So maybe we we'll do. get more into that, but yeah.
1: No, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I love, I love uh, Indian food, Thai mm-hmm. food, like, like all the yeah Asian food. Um foods are just like, I you don't know, just that's always what I what I go to when I'm craving something. Um, that and Taco Bell. Good, good combo, <laughs> <Yes. right? laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, Taco Bell can be clutch. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know why, like spicy in particular, things that just like just different flavors that sort of like challenge you. Like, I mean, of course, I love you know, pasta and pizza and like whatever the you know standards are, but um I just like when I take a bite and I'm like, whoa, like that was mm-hmm. that was a lot. Um, so I love that. And then uh I really love to listen to podcasts about performance psychology. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with the growth equation. That's mm-hmm. a great one. That's uh, Steve Magnus and Brad Stillberg, uh, who have worked with a lot of triathletes, but a lot of kind of, you know, how do we maximize life and how do we grow and how do we find balance and sure. uh, just a lot of relevant um, themes. So that's, that's probably one of my favorites. I like your podcast though. <laughs> <laughs> really anything about triathlon that. is just... Is interesting um we'll have to check that one out no we will yeah
1: i've done a lot i mean i've done a lot of like listening to different ideas about marginal gains and just growing and one percent better every day and that that sounds like that growth mindset um so i'll have to i'll have to chime in and listen i'm on the road a lot in my job so i listen a lot of podcasts so
2: yeah it's good when they come out i think every wednesday they have a new one sometimes they have guest speakers. But, um, so I like that I am obsessed with college sports. So I played college sports myself, but I I don't know why, like most people are like really loyal to some like pro football team or, you know, I don't know. And I just like college sports is super interesting. I think it's a super interesting time in it right now with NIL and lots of changes. And, um, I like, you'll often find me on the weekend supporting like UCLA as a local team here. Um, and I'm really like sport agnostic. I like, I like basketball. I like soccer. I like tennis, gymnastics, and I'm really, I think like, really like people are like, why are you so obsessed with, you know, college sports? And I think I really am interested in like the talent development side of it. And now, especially with like, you know, social media and this way that you can kind of see like where the top recruits are going and, you know, what happens when they get there all the way through to their journey at the end. Um, So that's, that's really interesting. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I more lots of hobbies but (laughs) yeah that's there's a lot there yeah i mean
1: we're in iowa so like we don't have a professional team so we follow college sports a lot Yeah, um and The the hawkeyes and and um you know we we also watch a lot of different other like other sports that i mean wrestling is huge in the midwest and the university of iowa iowa state penn state like those big big wrestling schools and it's 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 just it's cool watching other sports that aren't, you know, NFL, NBA, yeah, Major League Baseball. Um so, yeah. I was going to ask. So, so are you from California originally or did you have you moved out there? Yeah,
2: it's a great question. So I grew up in uh, outside of Boston, actually, um, but have a lot of West Coast roots. My dad grew up splitting time in Oakland and L.A. and loved the college sports and the pro sports teams in L.A. (laughs) So I I feel like my pro sports teams that I support are back in Boston, but uh, I kind of I'm not really loyal to any college team. Yeah. East Coast
1: all the way out to the West. Yeah. That's a big move. Um, (laughs) Awesome. So you, you mentioned college sports, you 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 played college sports. Um what what is your sporting background? And and maybe you can kind of walk us through how you got into triathlon.
2: Yeah, no, I think that segues well. I think um, yeah, so I guess stepping back, I think I look back to like early days and I think I love to move, I love to play sports. My parents kind of enrolled me in every type of sport under the sun. Um, and I think I always wanted to be like that star and like, you know, the one who was scoring all the goals in soccer and just like, you know, like the, like, I just, I just wanted to be at the top without necessarily like doing the skills and the grunt work every day. And I just, I, I wouldn't commit to any sport. Like I like soccer and I did it for a lot of years. Um, but I just like, wasn't, I just didn't, I didn't want to commit to kind of, you know, doing the technique and the, all the fancy dribbling. And so I think I, um, as a kid, I just got a lot of exposure. I loved being on teams. I loved running around. Um, I I played like baseball for years with like a, you know, just like all boys team, um, which was a really interesting experience. Um, but ultimately, like I didn't go come to college being like, all right, I'm a, you know, college soccer player, college swimmer. Um, so I actually ended up walking on to the rowing team, um, which you can do in most college programs. Mm-hmm. I went to A 3 college, but you can even at the D1 level because there's not a ton of high school opportunities there. And it's often kind of this hotbed for athletes that have come from various places like myself who are, you know, want a team and like want to work hard, but like haven't really found the sport to do that. in. I initially, so I actually, so I went to Skidmore college my first year and I was at that point, I actually really wanted to run cross country. It was something that I fell into like later in high school that I really liked, but they didn't have a cross country team. So I ended up walking onto the rowing team. Um, and then after a year, I actually transferred to Wesleyan for a bunch of reasons, but, um, I was actually going to run there. And I was in contact with the coach and had met the team was really stoked about that. Um, but then I got injured going into that fall, um, and called up the rowing coach and ended up rowing for the team, um, which was one of like the best experiences of my life. Um, it was a little bit, you know, I think I got the basics down on my, on my, in my first year of college, but I think Wesleyan was like a little bit, they were both D3 teams, but Wesleyan was a little bit more competitive. Um, and just like, just an incredible, um, experience so much so that when I graduated, I moved out to the Bay Area, um, had a job offer, and was you know excited about that. But I also just knew it would be a great place to row. There was a couple of pretty high level clubs, and I could try to keep going. So that was kind of that transition to adult life. And unfortunately, once I got out to um, the Bay Area, I realized that rowing a single, which is like the boat that I would be in um, and continue training in as kind of a lightweight, because at that level, like. I'm five, six, and (laughs) was never really going to make it as an open weight rower. Um, So then you kind of have to do lightweight rowing. And then, like, the only elite lightweight boats are the single and the double. And they're kind of being phased out at this point of, you know, but anyway, that was kind of like that was my only opportunity. And I tried to kind of stick with it for a little while. And then I was like, I'm way too social. Like, I'm 22. I want to meet people. And it just didn't seem like the best fit. At that point in my life um which was unfortunate because i loved rowing and it was really the only structure that i knew so i actually started rowing with a master's club locally and hung on for that for about six months just because i was like this is what i do you know i'm either you know in school or working or you know rowing and it was just insane like i was getting up at like 4 a.m to take the train to so i was living in san francisco i took the train out to oakland um, which is just a a big commute. And I think I realized after six months, like it wasn't competitive enough. It just wasn't, you know, like I was trying so hard to like, you know, kind of fit this peg into this like hole, but, um, it wasn't, you know, just like, wasn't the level I wanted. It was folks that were, you know, three times my age, which like, wasn't, you know, we got along, like we had brunch on the weekend, but, it was like I was like, this is not like the right thing for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so immediately once I stopped doing that, I was like, all right, what's next? You know, like I can't, I'm not just gonna go to the gym every day and work out and like that, like that's like I, I need something, I need a goal, I need structure. Um, and so that November I signed up for the LA Marathon, which was in February of 2016. Um, so you know, I think like four months out or something like that. And I was like, all right. I'm going to run this marathon. I don't really know why I chose LA. I was probably just looking for something in the winter and there's not that many options or a marathon. Uh, yeah, had you, you had
1: you ran anything? I mean, I obviously like cross country 5Ks, yeah. 10 10K maybe. I like, had you ran yeah. anything between that and a marathon?
2: That's actually, so actually in my, so my back in my first year of college at Skidmore, I was part of the running club and I did a half marathon in Lake George, which was actually an incredible experience. And I think that year I really got more into running. Um, but no, I didn't really, I wasn't like a, you know, I hadn't done a lot of five K's or 10 K's. I think I just really liked running long distance on my own. So I was like, okay, if I can go for like, you know, like a two hour run on a Sunday, like is a marathon really that much more, um, and I think I definitely made the rookie mistake of kind of just running every day, kind of running everything at the same pace, not particularly easy, not particularly hard, until I just like it turned into a hip injury and this and that, which is what happens if nobody's really guiding you and you have no idea what you're doing. I was, I was, right. I, I was swimming a couple of times a week, but I wasn't really cross training. And so by the time I got to, so I think I got like injured like a month or two before that race and I ended up going to it because I was like, I'm signed up, but I had done pretty, compromise training the month before. And I think I went out at that marathon being like, Oh, like, I'm totally like, this feels great. Like, I think I was running, like, I think I averaged like 7:30 pace for the first half of that marathon. I'm like, Oh, like totally on track to qualify for Boston. Like, this is great. And then I hit mile 15 and just started walking. And, um, it was just like, Oh boy, like, Nope. Like this is, and I think it those out there who run marathons have definitely had this experience where it all feels good and then it just like yeah. <laughs> my for,
1: my first marathon uh set a half marathon PR in that marathon and that was about it like i i think i walked the next 11 miles like it was it was uh, brutal it was brutal yeah,
2: yeah. pretty sobering yes. um especially like when you're just like a competitive person you're like i don't walk in marathon like this is like this is not what i do um mm-hmm. yeah so i think but but so in that process of training for that Marathon when I was injured and seeking, you know, like treatment in San Francisco, I got connected to a chiropractor who um was dating uh and now married to a pro triathlete, uh Sarah Pianpiano. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys you know yeah. are aware of her, but she yeah. um she was in SF training and he was very much like like cool, like running's awesome, but like, you should do triathlon. <laughs> like, like, this is like, a, you know, it's a great community here. And he had kind of heard me out about like how I was looking for, like, I was new to the sport, but I was like pretty competitive and I didn't want to just like go for beer runs. And like, you know, I wanted to like take it seriously. And he was like, you should like, you should kind of get involved in, in this community. Um, and I was already swimming with the master's team just because I don't know, I think I was just like desperate for community. So I was kind of like, trying to, to find any, anything I could. So I was basically I was swimming, I was running and I had like a commuter bike. So I kind of had the basics. Yeah. Uh,
1: I'll run into people and I'll be like, Oh, you're a runner. Do you happen to swim ever? Oh yeah. I know how to swim. Great. All right. This sounds like you're going to be a triathlete great. really quick. That's usually that the, happens. that's usually the, uh, the swimming. If, if I can connect to somebody that who, the, who either bikes and swims or runs and swims, I'm like, we'll figure the other yeah, sport out. Other You've got one. two out of the three. If they don't swim, then it's a, then there's, there's usually a um, much, a much harder run. to get them into yeah. work.
2: Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting. I think you talk to a lot of people who bike and run or sorry. Yeah. Who bike and run. And they're like, Oh, but I could never do a try because of the swim, which I think it's like a big, I think swimming is like hard to do, especially if you don't have confidence, but it's also mm-hmm. like such a small portion of the race, in my opinion, that right. I feel like that should not be the barrier, you yeah. know, like if yeah. you, just, you just can't stand swimming. You never want, want to get in the water. It's like, okay, maybe you don't do a triathlon, but if you can like tolerate it it's like this could like unlock opportunities you have no idea about you know right
1: Right. get them to do a sprint triathlon where the swim is really just 10 to 15 <laughs> minutes short, right yeah. like don't yeah. sign up for an iron man if you haven't really swam too much um but yeah. Uh, yeah yeah
2: yeah so i think at that point i kind of i started and in, in terms of like joining that community so that was so sarah was coached by matt dixon and he had a pretty and still does like a pretty sizable san francisco like squad and i wasn't coached by him but he ran like a bike session indoors on wednesday mornings um that was like really it was pretty intense and brutal and like i think that was like like the first time i was like with this community i was like whoa like these people are like these people are like fast and good and this is incredible like this is like an intense situation almost probably too intense i was kind of like what like i'm like you know like this is not my full-time job, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think I, I got kind of inspired by that and that, so then that spring I did like a local Olympic, um, and then I did, a, uh, I did a local sprint and then I did an Olympic and then I did Santa Cruz that fall. And then like a month later I did Cabo 73. And so I was clearly like, all right, here's, you know, and, and you hear this from like lots of people who start try. It's like, I did the first one on my commuter bike and then I, you know, yeah. got hooked and <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty quick. Yeah. You're buying like a $5,000 TT bike. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> that's,
1: that's the way the sport progresses. Um, no, I, I listened to Matt Dixon, the purple patch podcast. He's, I mean, uh, I, I like not only the training that he talks about, but also just the, the, the mental side of it, the strength side of it, just everything that goes with it. And then how to, f- how do you fit in high performance life with high performance sport? Like, I don't think there's another podcast that really talks about the combination much. Um, Usually you talk to pro triathletes and all they talk about is, you know, training all day, all day long. They don't talk about life and he's coaching, you know, CFOs and CEOs and major companies that also want to do triathlon at a high level. Well, you have have to have, you have to have a good balance. So he's, he's always had some pretty good, um, interesting topics.
2: Yeah. And I think like, what was interesting to me was I think he is very much like the guy, like, you know, written the book about like the fast pace and like works with people who are like only have you know, 10 hours to train a week. But I was really, that was not what I was exposed to. I was mostly like seeing the people who had like 30 hours to train a week. And it was like, they were trying to like podium a Kona. And, um, so it was kind of interesting being like in like the, like the kind of age grouper in that, that kind of sphere. Yeah. uh, Right.
1: Right. Yeah. He coached uh, at least. Chelsea Sodaro, right? So he coached her up until this most pa- this past year, past year, I guess, prior to her winning Kona. Um, yeah.
2: So she like she started coming to the biking studio right when she was transitioning from being um, like I guess she was professional professional runner, and then she did like yes. a short mm-hmm. bout in ITU, but she pr- pretty quickly um, right. Matt was her first coach and she kind of showed up and she was like, Oh my God. Like I, I remember biking next to her and I was like, she is like, she's going to do things, you know, like yeah. she's just had such a good attitude and like, was just such an incredible athlete. Um, so yeah. So that was like, I mean, that was like her and Sarah P and a couple other pros. Like that was my kind of like first like understanding of what, you know, triathlon was. That's yeah. awesome.
1: <laughs> we don't have that. Yeah. We, I, I haven't had that. <laughs> uh, uh, opportunity here in iowa we no, don't get uh, surrounded happen. by too many pro athletes
0: doesn't happen too no. often no one comes to to train here <laughs> let's kind of segue into some of the races you've done um obviously this past year you did alaska and kona uh were those your only two Ironmans
2: in 2022 and saying only like that's still a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that was it for, for this year. And I think definitely what I've learned from past years of racing was I definitely tipped the scale too far, especially in 2018. That's when I did three Ironmans within, I think like four or five months. And I was just so over the sport. <laughs> um, yeah. and I think I, I learned from that and to the point, but then, you know, COVID happened. Um, and that was a really interesting time because it was lots of time for you know long bike rides and a lot of training but with no races um and yeah so yeah so kind of stepping back to last year so to maybe touch on some highlights so what i remember most out of all the foals i've done is just finishing santa rosa in 2018 because that was the first Ironman man i'd done and it's like, it's like the first time you run a marathon, the first time like, you just don't know what to expect. You don't know how you're going to feel. Um, and you know, you lo- watch a lot of things online of people like well, crossing through the finish line, but it's like really like your own physical and emotional experience. And I think I, I happened to have a, like a, a pretty good race that day. Like nothing went horribly wrong. I feel like I, you know, like, you don't, you don't go too hard. Cause you're like, I don't want to you know burn up. But I think like that was one of my fastest Ironman marathons to date. Um, no mechanical issues on the bike, um, and just had like a really great squad. Like my dad had flown out to Boston to cheer for me, and I was just like, This is incredible. Like, I don't know, like I've never felt like anything like this in my life. Um, and I have to say it's a little bit of a downer, like all the Iron Man's following that, like not quite that extreme of a feeling. Um, but yeah. um, so that was that was Santa Rosa in 2018. Um, and then just a couple other memorable ones. I did a bunch of 73s kind of in the years before I did fulls. Um, and I did Cabo 73 in 2016. And I'm thinking, you know, Oh, like Mexico, like, you know, like this is like a beautiful place and like, Oh my God, it's like a vacation. And I got there and I missed a couple turns on the bike because it was just kind of poorly marked. And I also just wasn't communicating with the locals <laughs> um so that was like I was already like disqualified before I even got on the the run but I had no idea oh um gosh. and then I got on the run and it was just so hot and I just like needed to to walk just because it was so hot and I was there all alone and didn't have any support crew and that was kind of like a you know paradise but like gone <laughs> horribly wrong um so that was kind of a you know I'd say that was a low point um and um Yeah. But I mean, just to, I can like touch more on Alaska and, uh, and Kona. And I think a lot of kind of what I learned over the years, I think in 2018 or my progression with the sport was like, I, wow, triathlons cool. Like I'm doing these shorter distances. All right. I'm going to up it to a full. And then I think once you start training for a full, it kind of, it kind of takes over your life. And then once you finish a full, you're like, Oh, like that was, you know, like I need to recover. And then like two weeks later, it's like, all right, when's the next call? Cause we're just right. so used to that grind. Like it's not like Saturday and Sundays are spent doing very many other things. And, um, it's just kind of, I think it's a pretty addictive lifestyle. Yeah. yeah it's hard
0: it's, to um, like, turn that off. Like, I think even just like marathons too, it's like you build, 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 you race. And then it's like, now what? I can't just do nothing.
1: Well, like, right. yeah. You hear, I mean, you hear the Ironman depression, like people yeah, mention yeah. that, um, and if you if you don't find another race within a couple of weeks, then you can kind of run that slippery slope. But your body does need to recover, so you need to have you need to have balance. Balance, but, but you so can lose your like,
0: yeah. yeah. You
1: can lose your identity. You've been training yeah. for something for seventeen to twenty hours a week, nonstop for twelve weeks leading into an Ironman. You have the race. You may have a great result, like Ironman Alaska, punch a ticket to Kona, but then. Kona happens, then all of a sudden it's like, now what do I do? And like, right. people really struggle with the sport, and that's when burnout happens. And they're they're like, you know, I'm done with Ironman, and yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think my whole journey has been about finding that balance between how do I, yeah, how do I like take a step back? Um, But it's very much like all of a sudden, then it's. I think when I get into this Ironman mindset and training, like a lot of my friends are like, "Oh, she's not very available," and you know, so I do my thing and I get disconnected from that, and then it's yeah. hard to the switch the second the race is over and be like i'm back i'm free yeah (laughs) so i think that um that was challenging but definitely like kind of pushed it too far in 2018 where i was like i'm never doing three ironmans in one year or at least two in one month was just not a great idea um
1: yeah i'm looking at your schedule so you did wisconsin and chattanooga right the those those are the two that you did kind of back to back
0: it was a busy Um, september (laughs) yes
1: yes um and I but I have had other athletes that I know that have done that that combo because they did Wisconsin. And they're like, oh, I was so close. Let's just go do another one. And Chattanooga's, you know, a little bit easier than Wisconsin, but but it doesn't usually end well. Like just doing yeah. two. Iron I feel like you like even that, considered I, I that. Considered it.
0: Especially with Wisconsin's weather this year. Like Mike was looking at it and he's like, Do I just pull the
2: plug and sign up for Chattanooga? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: but good no, good thing I didn't. Um, no i mean
2: i think like obviously like and i've heard you guys talk about this before and it's like it's not like you're going to gain fitness and it's almost mm-hmm. nice that like you can just ride off the, like whatever build you've done up until then i think it's more of like a strategic thing of yeah i think i had it in my head i think i was like fifth at at wisconsin and i was like oh like it just it, we'll see who shows up at chattanooga but like yeah. if things go my way i could be you know getting that kona slot and i was just like so so like Hooked on that thought, that it like propelled me to fly by myself from, you know, San Francisco to Chattanooga, like no yeah. support, no Sherpa. And it was like, oh, what a like finishing that race and not then getting that result. I was just like, this is, this is it. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, so I was going to ask, I mean, it, it does seem like, so you did your first Ironman in 2018 and then you did three that year. So was it always the goal to qualify for Kona, um, early in the sport where you, were you kind of pinpointing that race did you know what kona was
2: yeah no it's a good question i think i i knew what it was starting in like pretty early on because of those pros that were around me and i think in 2016 sarah p got like fifth or something and i just remember that i hadn't like watched it on tv before then um but i really you know i started paying attention and then i started watching it on tv every year after that um and I think like I have gotten the advice of like don't focus on Kona because it's like you know it's just like such a long process and so much like you can't just like be like Kona or bust because then you get to this race and you do this huge you know a, you know accomplishment and you're just all like oh but nothing matters because I didn't you know I didn't yeah. qualify oh, and yeah. Yeah. also as like everybody knows there's so many things out of your control when it comes to qualifying like you just don't know who else is going to be there you don't know how many slots there's going to be like there's there's a lot of you know question marks so I think when there's so much that's out of your control like. I just don't think going into this, you know, any race being like, I gotta make it to Kona. Like, so I think I kind of like it was one of those things that I like was like, oh, that would be an incredible thing to do. And I kind of put it in my back pocket. Um, but really kept going to these races because I liked, I liked the structure. I liked, you know, like the lifestyle um for the most part. And uh And yeah. you obviously saw some success too. I mean,
0: you were seeing like, man, you know, finishing the top five, like could I be fourth, third? Second. I mean, it's easy to kind of go down that
2: path. Yeah, for sure. No, I didn't feel like it was like, you know, like that. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I'm necessarily gonna get it, but it didn't feel impossible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so
2: Alaska, what what time of year is that? That's yeah. So Alaska <laughs> it was the inaugural one this past year. It was in yeah. August. August, um, okay. They, they're actually not doing it for the next two years, um, which is yeah. a bummer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I did see that was canceled. I, I had a, a couple athletes that I'm, I'm friends with that raced, yeah. so I, I know what you're going to say. The weather was not summer <laughs> by yeah, any I,
2: It looked brutal. I mean yeah, I mean I think when I signed up for it like a year before so this was in like uh, you know when they first announced it in um 2021 I was like okay like tough swim or like you know cold swim like rugged terrain and I'm thinking perfect like I like hilly courses like Alaska's like definitely on my bucket list um and like cold swim like whatever hopefully that will slow other people down and like that's like swims my my biggest weakness so I'm like okay this sounds like a great race Um, and honestly, I think it lived up to a lot of those things. Like, I think it was not like a fast course. Um, I guess what I didn't think was like, it was going to be like raining the whole time and freezing like in the days building up to the race. And I just like, I just pictured Alaska in the summer and didn't think to the fact that it can rain a ton there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, I think it was like a pure survival race. I think it was interesting, like towing that line after not having done an Ironman for three years. So it was actually going to race Ironman California the previous October. But as you guys know, I'm sure it got, you we're there in transition and they tell us to go home. Um, so anyway, so I hadn't, I hadn't raced in three years. So I kind of like, I guess my expectations were kind of high, but they were also kind of low because I was like, like, dude, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know where I'm at. I hadn't done any, like 73s, like building up, um, building up to it. Um, so, and it was also, Alaska was interesting. It was more like a summer camp vibe and that it was like, uh, you know, like a smaller amount of people there. And we're in this like rugged place. It didn't feel like your typical, like any U S city where you show up and it's just like city with like triathletes. Um, uh, it's like from the start, it felt different. And yeah, so they shortened the swim, which was great. (laughs) Um, I'm again, like swimming's definitely my, my, uh, my weakest link. So um, the water was freezing. I think it was like, if it had been one degree colder, they would have called off the swim altogether. Okay. I want to say it was like 53 or 54. Okay.
1: okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: that, is, that is really cold. It was, yeah. it was, it was cold. Um, but yeah. So I just like, I remember getting out of the water and just as most people, like not being able to like feel my fingers or whatever. And I think I was very much like, okay, I could go sit in transition and like drink a lot of bone broth and like try to warm up. But I was also like, I'm probably just going to get discouraged by slowing down. So I literally just like ran through transition, like shivering the whole time, um, like got on my bike, threw on a jacket. And I was like, the only way I'm going to warm up is if I just bike hard. (laughs) Um, And I just like, you know, I like, I saw my boyfriend and my dad when I'm coming out on the bike and I'm like, I'm shivering and I'm like barely holding onto my bike. And I think they were terrified, like, oh my God, like, is she going to crash? But I think about 15 miles into the bike ride, I started you know, feeling like myself and feeling, um, like my body temperature was normalizing. Um, and at that point it was great. Cause like I was already, you know, 15 miles into the bike ride. Um, and so that was kind of like, that, I think that was like hurdle part one, right? Like swim to bike transition. Um, but then I really like, you know, there's like a lot of highs and lows in any given Ironman, but I think around mile 80, I was just starving and I was doing a pretty good job of like eating my nutrition. Like as i like, I had like literally everything I had on my bike, but I was just starving. Like I felt like I just needed lunch. Um, and I think, and, and recapping with a lot of other people after the race, I think the water was so cold that we ended up like burning more calories than our nutrition plan had. Yeah, exactly. Plan for, um, So that was kind of like, it's nothing like, you know, finishing a bike ride and being like, cool, I'm going to go run a marathon and like (laughs) ready for lunch. Um, so I just, when I got off the bike, I was like, just asking anybody if they had like any snacks or any food. Um, and then I just like, I just scarfed down anything and just got on the run and went really slowly, but I was like, okay, I just like, I'm going to eat and I'm going to eat. And then hopefully that'll kick in and it will fuel me through the rest of the race, Um, and in fact it worked like, I think like by, um, a couple miles in, I was like feeling normal. Um, and I think it's like the first marathon I've negative split to the point where I was actually feeling really good by the end of it, which is like so bizarre. Cause I think in any Ironman, like you're not usually feeling good the last couple miles.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that goes Uh, to tell you that, you know, bringing in, like, if you can actually get in calories, a lot of times it's hard to do on the run. Like. GI dis- distress, all those other things. But if you can get in calories, that's one of the biggest limiters in the marathon. Um, cause most of the time you're so calorie depleted, like you're ho- you hope to not be by the end of the bike. Um, right. but on a difficult day where it's hard to grab your bottles and, and put in calories. Um, I know that was, I was reading a lot of race reports and from Alaska, that was one of the biggest things was people just couldn't squeeze the bottle enough to get any liquids um or they couldn't take their hands off their bike to get into the bento box to to take out a, a gel or so uh, you're missing chew. all of that so That's you your, yeah. well and yeah. i experienced that at wisconsin too so um eerily similar day with wisconsin it was cold and rainy
0: although your swim uh, was the warmest part the
1: swim was it was not it was 70 whatever it was 75 yeah. degrees yeah. so that was nice but uh yeah yeah
2: and i yeah i think they always say like if you're hungry like it's too late right like you need yeah to, like, sure you're- you're staying on top of that. Um, And the whole point of the bike is to get yourself in a position where you're fueled to run. Um,
1: Yeah. But you were hungry, uh, but you were still able to say, okay, I'm going to just start the run and get in calories run, like kind of concertally and then build your calories. And then, then you negative split. Right. So I think in that aspect, you had a great plan and it worked, worked well.
2: Yeah. yeah. And it ended up being the most, like, I think it was one of those like kind of bipolar races where the swim was just like coming out of there, just being so cold and miserable and just not wanting the marathon to end. I was just having so much fun out there. The course was great. It was hilly, but it was beautiful. Yeah. It wasn't raining the whole time. Um, and I was just like, I was just like, by the end of that race, I just felt like, this is like where I want to be right now.
1: <laughs> Did you um, have your, your like spectators tell you what place you were in? So that, that, I mean, in this, in this case, it works. To its advantage, right? You're in a, a qualifying position.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I came through the first, so like it was like, you know, one lap, and that was like half of it. And I came through that. And that was like, I was really starting to feel good at the point. I was getting a little suspicious. I was like, I'm feeling so good. Like, am I going to crash soon? Um, and my dad and my boyfriend were there. And my boyfriend kind of started running with me because I was like, not going to stop to hear anything. And he was like, all right, like you're in third. like But like like the woman who's like one ahead of you is like, you're just about to pass her according to the tracker, which is like, you know, who knows what the tracker half the time. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, but that was like all I needed to hear. Like I was already like independent of that news. I was like in, like, I was, I was not going to slow down at that point. Um, and so it was just like that extra confidence that just then, you know, lit me up for the next 13.1 miles. Um, and then I also, at that point, I didn't know if I was going to pass first place, but I didn't know if she had a Kona slot. Like I didn't know what the the situation was. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you finished in second
0: Second in your age group, did was there just one Kona slot? There were
2: being more in my group. I can't remember what happened, but um, but it turns out the first place woman had already qualified. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so she she passed it to me, but I think there might have been two or so slots.
1: Okay. Sure, yeah, yeah well, that's another thing that goes to say, like, don't like you can, you can try always...
0: to figure out where you're at and how it's going to work out for you, but
1: but you got to run yeah. your own race, right? Yep. And then see where where things uh, fall at the end. So. That's, that's awesome. I I love the story because obviously you've been kind of chasing this, this dream and you went well. COVID like that impacted everything for a lot of people. And you went a couple of years without racing and then you got back into it and punched the ticket. So mm-hmm. uh, we haven't asked, and we normally ask, uh, are you working with a coach? Did somebody help you get here?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, so I've been po- coached the past Maybe five or so years by um she's more more of a friend, um, Caroline Coble, but she herself um was a pretty, you know, elite age grouper and then went pro for a bit. Um, so we've had an incredible relationship. And I think she herself was coached by Dixon and a couple of other, you know, big names and tries. So she's seen kind of she she's had a lot of different methods and learned a lot along the way. Um, and then we were also able to train a bit together. She lives in the Bay Area. So back when I was there. Um, and I kind of, you know, I think I really look up to her and we've, we've had a good relationship. So I think a lot of my <laughs> success is is due to her as well. That's great. Yeah, that's cool. So,
0: so you got your, your spot to Kona and you, you knew then you'd be doing another Iron man that, that fall. So what did your kind of training look like in between Alaska and Kona?
2: Yeah. Great question. So I came back from Alaska. I took a couple of days after the race, enjoyed, you know, being in Juneau. Um, and then I got back cause, and also everybody's like, you got to take time off, you know, it's like, I think I'm very quick to be like, all right, like two days after the race, like even one day after the race, I'm feeling yeah. fine. Um, and I think it was good to be forced to like, not, you know, have all the resources I have back in LA. Um, so I took a couple days and then I got back to LA and then, I think I had maybe like six weeks at that point. So it was still like take, you know, maybe another week kind of exercise, but keep it on, you know, chill. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of have a couple, maybe like a three week or so of like a build. That was the plan. <laughs> um, but then I'm back in LA and the like, literally like the Saturday that I'm back, I'm going on a pretty, you know, chill spin um, go get a croissant, you know, like things are good, keeping it social. And then I'm riding back on the PCH, which is like the Pacific coast highway, which is pretty much what you have to ride on in LA. And I get doored by a car. Um, Mm. and it was, it was pretty traumatizing. My bike actually took the brunt of it. Um, I'm very fortunate. Um, but, definitely a big setback in that, um, I was actually on my road bike because my tri-bike hadn't come back from Alaska yet. Um, and, but just totally the, the, the frame is sawed in half. Um, and I, yeah, I didn't go over the handlebars. I didn't break any bones. Um, hard to like, still kind of like unclear what fully happened, but my, um, my, we think my bike hit the So the guy, the guy opened the door, my bike went in, um, and I think I fell off the side. Um, and I just, I got like a lot of stitches in my, uh, knee and I was kind of like a little, you know, like beat up, but I was like functionally pretty fine. Um, and of course, like my first thought is, all right, like what's, what's like, let's get me better. Like I need to, I need to trade for Kona in six weeks. Like I was on such a high coming back from Alaska with this, like, oh my God, six weeks till Kona. Um, and so ultimately I took about a week off. Um, because my knee, like I literally couldn't bend my left leg, which makes any sport impossible. Um, but also being me, I was kind of like, all right, like, I think I can try to run, you know, like I'll just, you know, just not straighten my right leg. And that pretty quickly caused some hip stuff that didn't surface till a couple of weeks later. So ultimately my Kona training got compromised because my running got compromised. And I was actually like back on the bike and swimming within like a week or two. Um, and like, it's not like fitness was the concern, but, um, I, I guess like when I'm re- like reflecting on Kona, it wasn't, I didn't come to the finish line being like, that was my best race ever. I think it was more like, you know, like this is an incredible opportunity. Like we got to go there, go experience <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean I think- that,
0: yeah. Wow. That's, that's quite a story though, to have to overcome that in that short span of time
1: mentally it's got to be challenging like yeah. like that that part like because uh, obviously you could look at it and say i was at a good fitness with alaska and i'm just going to take a couple more weeks and just going to bump that fitness and have a great race in kona and then you just have to kind of hit reset on everything and say okay what are my what what are my new goals and and uh and at least you know kona is an awesome place to be and train I mean, it's been your dream to race there um so
2: like there's just never a good time. Right. Like I think anytime you get in an accident and you're an athlete and you're reliant on your body, it's like, Oh no, like why now? Um, and so of course I was like, Oh, why does it have to be six weeks before Kona? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like, like I could have been paralyzed, you know, like there, there's so many things that could have happened. And I think I'm just thankful that I was still pretty much in one piece by the time I showed up to Kona. So. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. Yep. yeah. And I love, like, we've talked to some people maybe more recently, some of the age groupers that talk about your first time in Kona, like, just go enjoy it and experience it. And maybe, maybe in some way that took a little bit of the pressure off to like, you know, let you go and experience it and then come back a second or third time and set some
2: different goals, maybe. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I think it's like, even if I had been in the best shape of my life and had the best race, like, I don't think I would have been like you know, like from a standing standpoint, I don't think it would have been like that incredible. I think it's Kona's Kona and there's the best of the best, right? right? Probably fast people there. Um, and yeah, I think I definitely was there. Like, right. Like I'd been told like the first time you go, just take it all in. And then the second time, like go race it. Yeah. Um, um, but I think it also lit that fire. Like originally I was like, Oh, I just have to go to Kona once. And, you know, like, cool. Like check that off the list. And I think getting to that finish line and feeling like I kind of not have my best run, given the circumstances, I was like, God, I gotta, I gotta get back here. Yeah. <laughs> like I I have like unfinished business. So I think that's something that came out of that. Yeah. I mean, both, I mean, Alaska and Hawaii, huge, huge accomplishments,
0: especially overcoming those, those challenges you had. And I'm glad you weren't more seriously injured because that that's scary.
2: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, and I've, I've definitely heard horror stories. So
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, um, early on when you were talking about, um, getting into the sport and kind of, um, you had mentioned something about, um, you know, you get, you go all into train and then you have some weeks off and you find your friends and you say, oh, now I can hang out with my friends again. I'm, I'm interested to hear how you navigate like life and triathlon and what you, what have you done over the last five years to still keep some kind of balance. I think that's yeah. something that Michelle and I are struggling with personally
0: mm-hmm. and, and a lot uh, of others. Too, there are right? a lot of people. Yeah.
1: yeah. That they, you know, you can, you sure you can surround yourself with just triathletes that are living the same lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's the fun in that? I mean, we're cool people, but you have to also, <laughs> there's more pilots. to life that's, right? That's than just yeah,
2: triathlon. Sure. No, it's, I think it's, I think it's an ongoing challenge. Um, and I think it's hard to kind of it's hard, especially cause I feel like I'm very like, I'm all in, right. Like if this is what I'm focused on, like, I'm not really like, I can't kind of dip my toes in a lot of different things. Um, and I think it's been a mix of, um, and I, even like aside from the balance, I think just like getting burnt out of the sport after those three iron mans and then having COVID happen and kind of being like, when are we going to race again? And I think at a certain point I was not, I was kind of over it. I was kind of like, well, I should go move on and like move away from triathlon Um, But then I actually think a big thing was moving to LA. So I think SF was a great community in that there were so many triathletes, but a lot of the people I hung out with were more, you know, full-time triathletes, right? It was like, you would like run a half marathon on Sunday and like your, your, your non-athletic friends would be like, oh my God, that's amazing. And the pros would be like, wait, you didn't do like a, you know, like a bike after, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just, I think being in that environment and having a day job, like it was, it was hard. Like I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, in with the pros, but I wasn't kind of like just amongst my peers, like Mm -hmm. doing that type of stuff. Um, so I really felt kind of, I felt like I was very much like in that kind of middle, um, strange kind of gray area. And there was also not that many people my age doing like full Ironmans. And I think you start to realize why, right? Like it takes so much time. And if it's not your actual job, like, you really got to question why you're doing it. Um, and so, yeah. And so a bit on that. And so I think coming to LA and just being in a new environment and, you know, still swim, biking and running, but like kind of getting to do it on different roads and meeting different triathletes who had different, different experiences. I think that kind of like all of a sudden it was like, I was swimming outside in these pools and like, it was a joy to do all these things. It wasn't like kind of like a chore. And I think that comes back to like how I feel about try in general. Like, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, there's so many trade-offs and, you know, like I, I'm so happy I did this race, but there's, you know, there was a lot of things I said no to, and it's such a grind. And ultimately like my philosophy is like the second I feel like tries like this ongoing grind, like that's, that's the time to step away. Cause it's, you know, it's life is only so long and you're choosing what to do with your free time. Um, but it doesn't, at this point, it doesn't really feel like a grind to me. Like I think, and part of that is like, I'm not the the triathlete that's like, oh like you know, here's my very specific FTP intervals and like gets all into the data. Like I'm not like that. I'm more like, like I go by feel. Um, and I, I happen to really love like volume. And so I think that definitely helps, but, um, I kind of just like at this time of year, like I ride with friends and I swim with a great, I swim with the tire 26 group a couple days a week. And you know, like I'll either run by myself or find other people who like to run. And it's like, then it kind of fits into then being able to do these races. Um, and maybe like a couple of weeks building up to an Ironman, it is a little bit of grind, but I just love it. Like I, I, I can't really picture my life any other way at this point. Um, and so I think it's kind of, you have to like the lifestyle. Um, and I think for me, I know the second I make it all like scientific and, you know, I, I probably could get a decent amount faster if I was very much like, this is zone one and this is zone five and very like, scientific about it. But I just like, I know at that point, like I would be like, I don't want to do this workout because it's too specific. You know, I just want to go run at the pace I want to run at right now. Um,
1: I can tell you're very social. So I'm sure like your breakdown running or doing workouts solo versus doing them with other people. I'm sure you're doing a lot of your stuff with other people and you can be like semi-flexible with your workouts because you're not focused on your F like a a certain FTP interval or, or whatever. Is that, is that about right? Would you say that's, (laughs)
2: I feel like that's what it is right now, just because I'm not like, I don't have an Ironman in a couple of weeks. I think over the past couple of years, I've struggled with a lot of my long rides. I wanted to start on the weekend when I wanted to start and they were kind of specific and I wanted to go at my pace. So I spent a lot of time, not just the past couple of years, I'd say like my whole triathlon life has been a lot of solo long rides, which I think I initially liked, but then I started realizing like, on any given Saturday, if I went for like a six hour ride and then I came back and I was drained and people were already out and about, like, it was like, I started just feeling really isolated because I think it was a lot of time with me. And then I was too like drained to go do anything else. Um, and I think those are the times where you start to kind of burn out and that is kind of a sacrifice and a trade-off. Um, but I think I'm getting more into a point where like, I, there's certain days a week where I work out by myself and I kind of, you know, like go hard or do what I need to do. Um, but I, I I think there's not like some people, some triathletes are so like, Oh, like if I don't do my intervals, like, you know, the bike ride wasn't work it worth it. And I feel like if I do the same distance with friends, it's like slightly different workout, but like the social gains are just so huge. And I think a big part of that helped me stay in the sport and like it and continue wanting to do races. So I think that is just so, I think it's so important to kind of at least like the advice I give to people when they're like, Oh, how do you like find, you know, like, how do you like keep it social is I think you should have like two to three workouts a week that are social. Right. And that can be like going to a fitness class that can be swimming with a master's group that can even be like swifting with a buddy. Right. But I think like if a hundred percent of your training is solo, like that's a lot of solo time.
1: Sure. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's where I've been the last couple of years. And I, yeah, like, I had been training with groups and doing those things. And I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm just, you know, it's harder for me because now I got to hit these certain paces and the people that I was training with are running slower. And it's like, you know what? Like I got really fast by running slow. So why can't I take one workout a week and go run with my, my buddies that were running 30 seconds per mile slower than me and just, and just enjoy it and have a conversation and, you know, just have that social connection that I'm missing. Yeah.
0: I feel like you break down. I mean, in everyone's training plan, like you said, you break down your schedule and they're, they're, there's an easy swim or there's, you know, kind of an easy paced run that's maybe not as structured, like making those right. more of like your social runs that you're planning with others. Yeah, um, It's but- amazing what that then adds just to keep you motivated. Even Mike and I don't get to run together a lot because we have because of our kids, obviously. Um, But the times we do, I'm like, oh, man, a 15 mile run can go by like nothing. Whereas you do that by yourself. And it is awful.
1: So So I think there's a lot of people that are out there that are struggling in the sport, doing it solo. Um, And sure, I think there's, there's a couple of sacrifices you have to make, like you have to make a little sacrifice on what your workout goal was for the day. And then maybe you make a sacrifice on the time of day that you're doing the workout, because it might not be perfect for your schedule, but you you can make a little sacrifice and and find a group that's doing something that's around the same time. Um, And I think that's where we've made excuses in the past. It's like, well, we have, we have to get our workouts done at this certain time because we have this going on in the afternoon and we have this going on. So I don't want to ask somebody else to work out with me because then I have to say, well, this is the exact time that we have to go. It's easier when you're just I can, I'm just going to go out the door when I can go out the door and not have to worry about somebody else. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, But I mean, I'd also say like one piece of advice there is I think often you sit down with other triathletes and you're comparing your training peaks or whatever, and everybody's like, Oh, nope. Tuesday's my bike day and this intervals. And so I think the trick there is, I mean, there's plenty of people who don't do triathlon, but who like to swim, bike, and run. And one of the Mm -hmm. early pieces of advice I got was like, it's these three sports, like swim with swimmers and bike with bikers and run with runners and trail run with trail runners. And I think that's another way to stay balanced is like, I think if you hang out, like love triathletes, hang out with them. But like, if you're all in your little, you know, heads about like triathlon all the time, you kind of like, I think there's times where I've started thinking how stupid the sport is. Like, 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 why are we like this? Like, why is this like our whole life? Like there's so much outside of this, but you know, if all of a sudden I'm like biking, like I have this bike group right now and we do a lot of coffee rides on the weekend. And I think, you know, like, yeah, it's not always when I want to leave. And sometimes we take longer stops and i like, but I'm like, they love like hearing about try. And I love hearing about what they do that isn't try. And they, kind of like, they're glad that I'm, I'm often the one being like, all right, guys, we're doing like a four hour route today. And sometimes people are like, Oh, like even with a you know real ride coming in, but like, sometimes they want people to like push them to do that. Yeah, and so I feel sure. like, rather than getting your own head about like, Oh, this is like such a selfish sport. And you know, it's so silly and I'm missing out from so many other things. You can kind of, kind of, it's like teamwork, right? Like you're, yeah. you're taking them and they're taking you. Yeah. I love right. that. Like, and the different perspectives you get from people that
0: aren't doing the same thing as you, you know, they have, I don't know, just different stories. I'm sure. to yeah. share. So, sure,
2: yeah. and it like, now that I'm like another bit on, on that is like, I think I used to leave for my, you know, rides on the weekend at like nine or 10 and then come back late and not have a lot of time or energy. And like the bike group I'm biking with right now, like we meet at 8am, like we're back and like, then they're off and, and they're doing other things in the afternoon. And sometimes I join them. And I think it just reminds me that there is so much more than just training all weekend. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like the perspective and I think there's a lot we can learn. So it was really cool.
2: Yeah. Like I have a lot of thoughts on like how to keep it balanced because I've I've thought about this for so many like years and 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 cycles through. And I think another thing is like don't just do triathlons all year round. Um, And I think I try to bookend my season right now with like last year I did this and probably this year, but like starting with a marathon and ending with a marathon where it's like you still have that focus and goal you're working towards and structure, but it's not like twenty plus hours a week of training. Right. Right. right, Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. We we've done this a little bit, um, but um, I think. There's a, lot, there's a lot to being said, like around not just doing triathlon all the time. And I heard somebody else mention this, another uh, person we interviewed about just racing a lot. Like, like do, do 5Ks, yeah. do a trail run, do these other activities that aren't so tri-focused. Like, sure, it, it might not hit the right zones and it might be different, but then you're also interacting with different groups of people. Um, like I got a gravel bike this year. I'm going to do gravel races. Uh, Like that's going to be awesome just to like hang out with other people. And this is a great opportunity for me to find out what's going on in the gravel world. And they can hear a little bit about what's going on in the tri tri world. And, um, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of that. There's, there's a lot of opportunities.
2: Yeah. I'd say yeah. Gravel biking. I don't, I'm not that into gravel biking, but I think that's a great way to like, you know, continue doing something similar, but like, it's also so different. Um, I do, I'd say in the off season, I do more like trail running. I do more like fitness classes and like strength and, um, a little bit of like Nordic skiing and downhill skiing. And I think if you just swim, bike run 365 days a year, like I have so much respect for those people for still loving it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. That,
0: those kind of different opportunities for, I mean, obviously cardio activities, you're still, you know, working hard and working your body in a different way, but. And,
1: and what what are your goals in the sport, right? Like, Is your goal to be top three age group in Kona? Uh, maybe, maybe then you do have to be really focused and just do triathlon. Although like, you can argue that there are a lot of really talented age group athletes that do a lot of other things. Um, but but then, yeah, if your goal is just to love the sport and to stay in the sport for a long time or to be physically fit and think of this as a lifestyle, like a healthy lifestyle, then all these other things that you can do are just checking that box. The social stuff, I think, is really important that um, a lot of triathletes kind of isolate themselves. Um, so yeah.
2: And then burnout.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
2: So. Yeah early on, somebody told me like, if you, if it's not something you like to do, or it's not convenient to get to that pool, like you're probably not going to do it. So don't even put that in your training plan. Sure. Uh, right. and so Sometimes like for years, that just meant swimming with master swimming that weren't specific to triathlon, but it was either that or swimming by myself.
1: To go along with that. Um, I think working with a good coach yeah. that understands that there's a lot of different ways to do this. Like if you work with a good coach and you say, hey, I was just talking to my buddy and you have a, you have a bike with me, a bike for me on Tuesday, but I I want to run that day instead. Like, can we adjust that? Like the answer should always be yes. Um, if it's two weeks before your key race, then, then maybe no, but like there there's, there's so much flexibility there. Um, so.
0: Or I think of like bike racing, like if you want to do like a bike race series, it's like, do Zwift Zwift
1: race. It's going to be, there's going to be some VO two max. There's going to be some threshold in there. Like, you know, is that something I can do? Sure. You, incorporate don't, have to, that you don't have to do this structured workout. You're going to get a great workout in a Zwift race. So, yeah.
2: yeah. No. And, I, and like having that relationship with the coach where like you can say, hey, like, I, yeah, I feel like actually going skiing this weekend and not doing this, you know, five hour ride and three hour run. Like, but like, I think like me personally, like if I didn't trust the person and get sign off on that, like, I would feel like even if people are like, oh, weekend won't make a difference. Like go skiing. I would be kind of like, oh no, like it's sure. all part of the plan, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's important. I think like like a weekend, like every now and then is just not gonna like really set your fitness back.
1: No, no, it won't. Um what will we'll set your fitness back? I've, and I've mentioned this in other podcasts is getting burned out and then yes. taking six months off. Like that <laughs> you can't you can't do that. But if it if going skiing once every three or four months or you know, in a couple of times in the winter, if that's gonna keep you in the sport, absolutely, you know. Yeah. Like we all need we all we all need mental breaks. So so Eva, I've got, so just to kind of like finish up a little bit um, and we ask a lot of athletes this question. I'm just interested to hear what your answer is, but um, when it comes to working towards a big goal, like qualifying for Kona, what's like any advice you'd give uh, an athlete who's similar to yourself, been in the sport for a few years, maybe they've had good races and bad races, but they haven't they haven't reached that that main goal yet.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think like kind of a couple things that like i think worked for me like i don't think i was ever like i must qualify for kona that's the only reason i'm in this like i think you could never put all your eggs in one basket i just think life just isn't like that like you could be in great shape but you know get like the flu the weekend before kona um so i think if and and then i think if you just do that then if you get to the race and you don't qualify like it just you know it just you feel so horrible right like you just put so much into this so i think again like kind of like keeping things balanced like being very you know um, on with your Kona training and having a plan and, you know, um, being consistent and all, but also just like continuing to develop your friendships and your career and just other things that you, you know, get excited about in the morning. Um, so I think that's a big part. I think having a good team in place is really important. I think the first couple of years I was, I had a coach, but I was more like you know, I didn't have a Sherpa and I would arrive at these races, and you know, I think it was just it was very lonely, um, mm-hmm. and led to to more kind of like burnout and depression. But um, I think here in LA, I have like a great physical therapist for whenever I get injured. I have, you know, a really good masseuse I like, I have like a good, you know, team of doctors to kind of keep me on track. So I think um that is I think it's just especially the more years you do it, it's just a lot on the body, and you just never really know when something's going to go wrong. I think a lot of Ironman is like, how far can you push yourself with, but while still getting to to the line healthy enough to race, um, as I'm sure you guys have seen in your training. Yeah. (laughs) So I think, I think that's really important. I think having a good coach is a huge part of it. Even if like you've done it so many times, you feel like you coach yourself. I just think outsourcing that and just being able to like do your workout and then not think about it after like, Oh, should I do more? Did I do like, just, just, just the data goes into the training peaks and you kind of like go get lunch and get on with your day. I think that's important. Otherwise you just spend so much time in your day, like thinking about it. And then by the time you're doing your heart intervals, you're just burnt out, um, tips that would have been helpful to hear. I think if you're a woman, I think getting your iron levels checked often is really important. Um, that kind of hurt me the first couple of years, I was kind of already low iron to begin with, but I think it kind of training so much pushed that into a lower level and then kind of getting back to where I have needed to be has given me the energy to continue training. Yeah. Um, I think nailing the nutrition, like everybody's like Iron Man's all about nutrition. So having, you know, like your nutrition as dialed in as possible by practicing beforehand. Um, and then also like, this is not, you know, original advice, but find a race that suits your strengths. Like if you, you know, are just love to bomb on flat courses and, you know, just go at like 22 miles an hour in arrow, like, you know, go do like Ironman Florida, right? Or the ones that are like that. But um, I personally, like, I really like hilly, like slower courses. I think that's just, um, I like to bike hills and I like things that slow other people down (laughs) in general. Um, So that's why I don't like, I only do races like I'd say like Alaska or, um, like Wisconsin's a good one.
1: Um, yeah. Like you did Montremblant and Chattanooga. Those are all like, you know, pretty technical, um, bike courses, Alaska, of course,
2: (laughs) in retrospect, California. I mean, I was excited to race it, but that was not going to be a course for me, right? It would would be a
1: fast swim though. So that the swim checks that That box. It's easy, easy, nice, (laughs) quick swim, but, uh, everything else is pretty flat and fast. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. But I mean, and I've also been told like, you know, fine tune your equipment. Like, I think this is the part I hate about it. Like, I hate that you can kind of buy nicer things that buy you speed over the course of all these miles. But I think if you're really, you know, serious about Kona and you're trying to like get every second for yourself, I think there's a lot that can be done between your bike fit and your equipment and, yeah. you know, shoes you're running in. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think being comfortable on your TT bike is is huge. So definitely, like definitely investing in a fit is is really important. Um, and then, I don't know, just little things. Like, I think it's all about having, like, I think if you're doing an Ironman, like you're probably in a pretty good place and that you're like really good at like, you know, getting your work done and like balancing things and kind of attracts a lot of type A people. Um, but I think it's like everything in, in your life routine that you can do to optimize. So like, I love to sleep, um, which helps. And I think I don't drink a lot of alcohol as a result because I feel like that messes with my sleep. Um, and just kind of like, I don't like little things. Like I don't go on TikTok Cause I feel like that's just like a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And it's all these ways that like, how can you like really maximize the time that you have in the day? Um, and I guess for some people that's like, that's very difficult. I think I've kind of always like been very, I don't know. Like I've been like, I want to, I want to feel good. So I want to sleep well and I don't want to eat like shit. And, um, yeah and so, yeah, I mean, I think like at the end of the day, like with like Kona, I think it's just all about controlling the controllables. Um, I think I just talked talked about that, like good sleep, decent nutrition, um and yeah, don't make unrealistic schedule like don't don't like have this great spreadsheet of like your you know eight month training block that looks perfect on paper, but like is absolutely not something that you're gonna do because then you know you're not going to do it,
1: yeah. you're right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that's you had a lot of good stuff in there, but I just, I think the overarching thing is just like a lot of like creating those good habits, right. And like habits that you can stick to and repeat day after day that, you know, fill your cup, but also lead you down the path to, you know, showing up and doing the best you can that day. So,
1: and you, I mean, you mentioned a lot of things and like, like I mentioned just off of hand, the um, marginal gains, those little 1% things like At the end of the day, there's a lot of things that go into training for triathlon. It's not all about you know swim, bike, and run uh, workouts. There's so much other uh, things. It's it's what you're eating, the alcohol, the sleep, the the communication with friends, staying engaged, um, setting up your your schedule with your your coach that you trust. Like all those things are 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 super important, and you really can't you know you can let some of those slide, a couple of them, but um, you you really can't only just focus on the workouts.
0: Yeah. 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 So
2: what's what's next for you? Do you
0: have any races
2: planned this year? Yeah. So I'm doing Boston in uh April. I, I know you guys are doing that. So that's yeah, we yeah. are. We I will have to run you into there. you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I can give you racks. I I mean I grew up in Boston. So that's just, you know, one of my yes, favorite. We'll cool. need all that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we
1: have no idea what um, we're doing. we've never been to Boston. Oh, wow. I mean, we were in New York, uh, but then we, we really don't go to eat like Northeast coast. Uh, I've never uh, done
0: like a major marathon. I've done like local
2: marathons. So it'll be
1: like 4,000 people, at local marathons, like tiny. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I haven't done Boston myself, so I can't, you know, speak yeah. to that. But I, sure, like, sure. I, I grew up watching it but, you know, nobody works that day. <laughs> yeah. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty epic one. Um, having a marathon after you've had a big Ironman is always like, Oh, it's just, it's just a marathon. But I think it's, you know, I think it's a sentimental one. I have a lot of family there. Um, and I, I haven't actually, I, I think I got so focused on try. I kind of never really focused on trying to qualify for Boston. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, and then I'm leaning towards doing, um, Coeur d'Alene in June. Um, I've done the half there and love love the course, beautiful part of the country. Um, and it's, you know, hilly and all of that. So haven't signed up, but, um, I'm leaning towards doing that and then hopefully qualifying for Kona again. But I think I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm in a, a point where I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what's next. I think I'm also like trying to think through the sport and all the things that I like about it and, don't like about it and like what impact I want to have beyond that. I think one thing I'm like very, you know, passionate about, I told you guys college sports, but I think like specifically like women in sport. And I think it's a very interesting time. Um it's been 50 years since Title IX, but there's still all these kind of discrepancies and you know, so little, like I think it's like four percent of the media coverage is on mm-hmm. women. So mm-hmm. this is like way, you know, outside like kind of beyond try, but I think I'm very at this point, like I, uh, I, I think we have like a lot of work to do and it's kind of understanding like my, how I can have an impact, um, and, uh, change things. Cause I think as a female, like sports have just have had such an incredible impact on my life. Um,
1: so yeah. Yeah. yeah, And it, it does seem like, I, I mean, at least from, um, my perspective, it seems like Ironman is doing a lot to include and, and try to um, bounces. make sure that the yeah. that women like are on uh, now that they have their own days. Uh, they, they, I guess for 70.3, it's been 70.3 world champs, two different days. So the media coverage was, was really, um, successful for the women this year. I mean, watching Chelsea, Sodaro and those women race yeah. on their own day was incredible. Now we know, you know, going forward, it's going to be every other year. So yeah. really Kona, this upcoming year will be all about the women. Um, and that's never happened before. And, and, um, I can't think of another sport that is doing something like that. So,
2: right. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think Ironman's doing a pretty good job. I just think there's just like, like kind of globally, I just think there's oh, yeah. still a lot of broken things in the, in the system that are only kind of being like surface now, um, which is, which is kind of yeah. sad, but yeah. Yeah. no, but I mean, I think, and I, I also don't feel like, like, through triathlon, I, I've only been training with men. Like, I think there's been a good mix. I think the issue with triathlon more is just like the barrier to entry and like the cost of these races and just how it's just like a very small population that even has access to them. So I think right. that's less, like a male female thing and more just a, you know, like there's, there's just a lot of other factors there, but, um, yeah. yeah. no, but I, and I think I, I guess like, as like tangible goals go, I think I'd love to run a sub three hour marathon, like standalone. Um, that would be great. And also like I would love to run a three thirty off the bike. I think that I feel like I could do it at some point, but I just like, I haven't, maybe I haven't gotten the nutrition right or haven't had the right day, but I think, I think that's in me. So I think that's like one thing that's kind of keeping me back (laughs) to the iron market. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Those Those are, are, those are huge goals. Yeah, uh, Those are impressive goals. Sub three hour uh, that, that was my, that was my goal going into this year and I missed it by 30 seconds. Um, Ah. So maybe it'll happen in Boston. I'm doing, we're doing our build right now and I'm, like 650 pace feels a little harder than, um, than I think it should at this pace at this stage. So we'll have to re re look at it. I mean, for, for me to, to Boston qualify again, I have to do three Oh five, which, you know, I I feel like seven minute pace is okay, but that's six. There's, there's a lot in that that 10 second 10 second difference between 650 and seven
0: and it's not not an easy course so (laughs) and it's like so weather
2: dependent too yeah that's true yeah we want a tailwind
1: and we want like 50 degree temps that's what we're looking forward to
2: yeah i'll take it (laughs) yeah uh Uh, so
0: where can podcast listeners follow you follow your journey
2: um i'd say social media goes i'm probably most active on like instagram and strava um, I, um, yeah, that th- those are probably the places I'm trying to think. Awesome. Where else do people follow people these days? TikTok. Uh,
1: <laughs> maybe so we're not, uh, we're not on TikTok. I think right. we must
0: have missed yeah. that. We
1: were, we're too uh, old. Yeah, that. we're
0: too old. We didn't quite <laughs> hop on the TikTok. And you're all healed up from, I mean, as far as. Starting but, to build for Boston, you Yeah, yeah. I mean, I
2: think I like as builds go. Like, I'm not like again. I'm not like a strictly like runner runner. So if you look at my training peaks, like there's still lots of biking and lots of swimming. Um, I'm not going for like a six hour TT bike ride, but I think I what's gotten me to the start line healthy in all these marathons is like keeping it. You know, like keeping getting volume from biking and swimming, and I just enjoy that. Like, I think if I ran every day, I would just kind of be like, oh, like this is. Yeah, I'm over. yeah. right.
1: Yeah,
2: um, we're very
0: similar in that way. Too. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, I can do a better job, but yeah, I get I get very focused on mileage with running yeah. for building for a marathon. That it does end up getting, I end, I end up taking away from my biking and swimming just because of. I, I do double days, like in. running yeah. double days and different things just to try to get the mileage, but I'm not sure it's the best idea, but it seems, I don't know.
2: I feel like you kind of just have to experiment for yourself. Like, I think I'm a little worried to like, just purely boost running mileage and like totally dial back swim, run just, or swim bike, just because like, I think back to marathons where I've gotten injured. And I think, would I rather like, not like only improve so much each marathon, but like do it healthy. Like I mm-hmm. think, yeah. I have friends who run like 80 to hundred miles a week in their, you know, a couple weeks leading up to a marathon. I'm like, wow, that sounds great. And maybe I could get faster that way, but I'm like, not convinced. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, and that's where I'm kind of like, I, I've done 80 to 90 and that's where I'm like, Oh, I want to get to that magic hundred mile week. But like, what, what's magic about it? Like, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, not me at all. I am
0: not, <laughs> I'm not high mileage.
1: IT band issues. I mean, I want to get to the race healthy. Uh, no, but, yeah. All right. So, um, Eva, let's ask some fun questions Okay. Michelle, let's ask Eva some fun, fun questions to finish out the, the podcast. Oh, one more. There is another social media. Um, Strava. Are you on Strava?
2: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll I love put your Strava up Yeah. I love Strava though. I must say like, I, that's again, like t- it's speaking about rabbit holes above like TikTok. Oh, yeah. Like, yes. Scroll on it on a daily basis. Cause then all of a sudden, like all this time passed. So I think like, but then I feel, feel bad, right? Like you can't like have activities on there, but not go around and, you know, see what other people right. are. So yeah. I try to like, schedule this is almost like a type a triathlete thing like i schedule like a 30 minute block like one day a week where it's like strava ketchup right and i'm yes. just like going through and like giving everybody kudos and people will text me and they'll be like you just gave me like 50 kudos and i'm like it's just like that time of the week this is my, <laughs> yeah i love that that's um, such a good idea
0: though because otherwise you're
1: I, know. I don't know i saw my like out. i know i saw okay. my strava like report for the year and what made me sad was like how many kudos i got and then how many kudos i gave yeah. It's, like, it's like, I could like, do a better job. Like, like and I, I do that on Facebook too. Like, I like I do a lot of like viewing, but I don't interact. And like, maybe I, you know, maybe yeah, that's my yeah. new year's resolution, even though it's the it, end of it January. It can happen in February. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's fine. It's tough. I mean, like, we're all, we're all busy. I just feel like it just, it just feels unfair if like a lot of people are giving yeah. me kudos. And I'm not like, it just, there's no yeah. rules. Right. But it's like, right. kind of like, that's like part of being part of a community. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah.
1: All right.
0: All right. So, let's see. What is your favorite gel flavor?
2: Oh man, I don't love gels. Like they're so easy, <laughs> to eat, but I just like. Oh, I don't have a good relationship with them. I don't like if they have an aftertaste. Yeah. Uh, I know everybody's very into those, like Martin ones. I haven't tried that. I'd say the ones I, I either do maple syrup or I do the honey stinger, um, just like the gold or the one with like uh, like fruit punch.
1: Okay. Yeah. Sure. The the Morton um, is flavorless. It actually so, yeah uh, right. so it's like a sugar it's water? It's not
0: bad. I, I'm oh. kind of weird about gels too. I don't I just don't like the sugar. I don't I don't like how they like coat your mouth and you mm-hmm. can't like get it out. Um and honestly, one of the best ones I did was it was like chocolate, what what's it called?
1: Goo. Or, it, it's
0: mm-hmm. goo, but it's like a chocolate plate. It was like frosting.
1: <laughs> chocolate cake frosting. Oh, yeah, it was like right.
0: They had
2: like a birthday cake and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But it seems I don't know, yeah. I'm picky. I don't love the texture. Yeah. 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 Like I
1: just ugh. So, you mentioned coffee. So what is your go-to coffee order?
2: Yeah. so I'd say my standard most days I have a double espresso um over ice especially here because the climate is you know pretty warm I'd say lately I've been treating myself to like a cortado like a little bit you know a little bit more milk and a little bit fancier if I go on a bike ride but only if I go on a bike ride
1: <laughs> you know what I like, we need to move to California or someplace that do <laughs> does coffee rides or coffee oh, yeah. like, what do they call is it just called a coffee ride or like a coffee stop like oh. they're that doesn't exist in Iowa. No. Like we go for a car, co- we go for our long rides. We are in the middle of the country. There is yeah. no place to stop so unless you go to a Casey's, gas station. Yeah. Casey's like, uh, like, station. no, got yeah, gas station coffees. No, <laughs> yeah.
2: I think it's like, I think the trend probably came over from like Europe or like, you know, places, but yeah, there's, there's quite, actually, there's actually not that many, like on the weekend rides, there's maybe like two good cafes in like the span of a hundred miles where people ride. So sure. they are hotbeds. Like it is all yeah. like. Oh, all cyclists, like, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, all cyclists
2: like, getting their coffee and their pastry, and it's like at first you kind of roll your eyes, and then you're like, "This is amazing." <laughs> um, that can be our retirement.
1: Maybe, like in our town, there might be like 20 cyclists in the whole town. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm I'm probably exaggerating, but um,
0: like on the low end, if
1: we went to a coffee shop, there would be zero cyclists ever. Yeah, like like that doesn't. It would be we'd
0: yeah. get looked at strangely for. There
1: are there are a couple breweries. That, do, that are like connected to bike shops. Um, so we could do beer stops. Huh. Uh, I would
0: say if anything, there's more like run groups that go to those. Know, so, yeah. Then, but
1: we okay. do have a we have a gravel like a group gravel ride that leaves from one and they always finish it at the brewery and they get beers afterwards. But um, that's kind of gravel riding and beer drinking goes hand in hand.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think there's a lot of tri groups that like go and they like swim and then they get beers after. I mean, it's yeah. like a social thing. I'm right. just like, more, I think I like coffee more than alcohol. So that
1: yeah, like, yeah, same my preference.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, let's see. Do you prefer to sleep in uh, or get up early?
2: It's a great question. I think pre-pandemic, back when I was going into an office every day, I definitely had to get up pretty early to be able to, you know, get in all the training before I went to the office. I think I've had more flexibility over the pandemic, which has been good. But I think also got to the point where I was just doing everything alone because I had the flexibility in the day. And I think, um, I've been shifting over the past couple of months to like getting up and riding with this group at like six 30 and I love seeing the sunrise and I don't even go to bed that late. I think I'm just like, sometimes I just like to not have to get out of bed and get moving right away, but I always feel better when I do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. Last question. Um, so when you go for a run, and this is kind of going hand in hand with Boston. So are you running with or without music or podcasts? Or are you, do you just run? I guess you're in California, Check so it's probably beautiful, yeah. probably running on the beach and listening to the, <laughs> what, are, yeah. what what's your go-to?
2: I mean, if I'm running with somebody else, I don't listen to music. If I'm running by myself, I generally do. And I, you know, craft certain playlist that will kind of pump me up. Um and I know like I've read a lot about how it's like kind of a crutch and I don't know. I like I definitely like to to run with music knowing that like on race day I won't, but then that's like a whole other experience. So,
1: so with like for Boston you won't listen to music during that, right? Or will you have headphones?
2: Not not during the no. race. Yeah, yeah during not race. during not during. I the feel race. like that Yeah, like even beyond safety, I feel like it's a crutch. Like I feel like you're there to race and like I don't know. Like I know some people need the music to get them through but I want to experience the cheers. And also like, I think part of it is like this mental thing in Iron Man too, where it's like, it shouldn't be easy. Like you shouldn't have like, you know, like whatever you're jamming artist. out to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you like, like you need to like draw that from within and from people around you. And yeah. so I think like, on like, yeah, like on a Sunday long run, like absolutely like play all yeah. the rap you want, you know, but like, um, I've never
0: yeah. been in a race without I mean, I'm, I'm the same way when I train, I'll listen to music or podcasts or something, but I've never been in a race and like, felt like I needed it.
1: I mean, more so on a marathon, especially in the early part of the marathon, you can chat with the people next to you. Um, you can, you, you pick up on all the crowds, which, you know, we haven't raced a marathon that has large, large enough crowds to really make it make a huge difference, but I'm sure Boston will be. But like the last five miles, that's what I would if I had headphones, I'd throw them in there just because I know like that's the mental like, like struggle and you want to just a little
0: boost finish.
1: But um, I I usually don't talk as much the last five miles with the people next to me. No, (laughs) Everybody's hurting.
0: We wouldn't have good words to say to each other at that point.
2: Yeah. Um, but that's sometimes how it is like, like, Oh, like, you know, you're all grunting You're like, sometimes I think what motivates me as I get to the end of the marathon is I'm like, come on guys, let's go. Like we only got whatever. And like, then they get hyped and it's like, you got yeah. that energy. So even if like, it takes a little bit of energy to, to speak and to cheer people. Like, I think that's also like on a tri course, like when you're on the run and people are running all different speeds and on different parts of the lap of the marathon, just being like, you got this. So like a person who's like four times your age and like, you know, kind of like walking it's, I, yeah. I, I kind of, I like that about tribe. Yeah. Like,
1: right. I I had someone do that at Wisconsin and I still remember it and I was it was the last three miles and we were all struggling and it was pouring down rain. We were hating life and he came up and he's like, You and I are running the same pace. Let's just like group up together and let's finish this last three miles. Um, you know, whatever whatever you need, you know, if you need to walk for a couple steps, I'm here for you. And I'm like, man, this guy's we've been out here for 10 hours and he's like, you know, I'm like he this, still has, yeah. My my guardian angel. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, this has been a fun conversation and, um, a lot of applicable things. I think that, that we were able to chat through. So,
1: yeah, I definitely needed this podcast actually. So I'm, I'm going to take a bunch from it in my own personal life and, um, reconnect with some friends and go for runs and, and just enjoy that part of the sport because it's been, there's been a little bit of a mental struggle really for, for myself. And I'm sure there's other people out there that are going to hear this and want want to kind of make a little bit of changes in, in their own like personal habits. Okay, so, I get, yeah.
2: yeah. Re, reignite the fire. Right. Cool. Of course. And do know, it's like an ongoing, like, I feel like I'm sitting here being like, Oh, I figured it out. Like I haven't figured it out. Like it's it's been, you know, <laughs> it's like this ongoing like right when it starts to work, then you're like, Oh, now it's like peak race season and you know, like your friends are whatever. But um, no, I mean, I think it's just a very important thing to work on if you want longevity in the sport.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Cool. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Mission Kona Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode.
1: Do you know an athlete who has a great story for a future podcast? Send us a message at missionkonapodcast.com.
0: Reach out anytime through our website or on Instagram at Mission Kona Podcast.
1: Till next time, think positive, have fun, and stay focused on your mission to Kona.